This is a main hustle media podcast. It sounds like one of the names they would have for a monarch. It's like Queen Javia the first, black radical queer, <laughs> Negro women. All the way from the A, you listen to my favorite lesbian on BRQ. Hey, stay locked in with your favorite lesbian on black radical queer. Yeah. Hey y'all, this is Javi Nicole, aka your favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. Hey y'all, welcome back to Black Radical Queer Podcast. I am your host, Javi Nicole. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say 10K, okay? <laughs> 10K in 10 months. Um, I am so excited and humbled that um, I've been able to reach 10,000 downloads in 10 months. Um, as of this morning, uh, I'm currently recording at around noon on Monday, April 22nd. And um, this morning, the last time that I touched base with my producer, uh, Charmaine told me that I was at about 10,200 downloads. So, yeah, that's dope as fuck. Um, I'm really, really excited about that. Thanks. Cause y'all did it. <laughs> y'all did it by listening to me. So, um, what I decided to do, uh, to kind of celebrate reaching this milestone, because it's something I thought would take a year. I, I was like, okay, I want to hit 10 K in my first year. Um, and it's been 10 months. So we did that shit. Um, so yeah, I asked you all, Hey, do you have any questions that you want to ask me? Yeah. You know, like what y'all want to know? This is your chance, slide in my DMs, be nosy, all that good stuff. So um, y'all did ask some questions, so I will be answering those. And um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to go ahead and get started with that. So um, first question is, how old am I? Now, I have answered this, but I also recognize some people are newer um, to my podcast. And so they may not know. So I am 31 years old. Um, it's crazy. I can actually say I'm in my thirties now. <laughs> I turned 31 on April 2nd, Aries gang gang. We out here. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm 31 years old. All right. Next question. What do you do for work? Um, so I, um, again, this is something that for those of you who've been listening for a while, y'all gonna be like, Oh, we already know, <laughs> but Hey, you know, some people don't know. So I am a direct support professional. I work with adults who have developmental disabilities. Um, I'm most considered a life skills coach. So I help them to, uh, become independent at their jobs, learn how to do their jobs, become independent so they can get to these coins and they can have their own money and they can do what they want to do. <laughs> so I do that. In addition to that, I also have my own company called Sensual, which is a holistic wellness company. We do um, wellness coaching, curated care packages, um, classes and demos, as well as the Sensual Care Corner. Now, I am the wellness coach for Sensual. Um, I have my master's in counseling with a focus in health and wellness. So wellness coach. Um, so I do have that as well as counseling experience with a variety of, um, populations and marginalized people. Okay. Um, my wife is the one who is the creator of the curated care packages. She has her, her background is in hospitality. Um, and she is a beast in her field. So she, um, is very good at like determining 
what the people need, what the people want, you know, that kind of thing, um, where there's a void. And so um, with the care packages, she that's something that um, she's able to fill, um, fill a void. We were trying to find a care package for our cousin and we could not find something that really encompassed what we wanted it to. And so my wife was like, I got this. And so she started doing the curated care packages. Um, for me, I do the wellness coaching. Um, I do uh, individualized wellness plans for my clients. I also teach wellness classes um, to individuals, groups, organizations, businesses, um, teaching them how to incorporate wellness into their entity. So um, if you're a nonprofit or a business, it's like basically, you know, what does wellness have to do with you, your employees, your staff, your members? How can you make your entity um, more conducive to wellness? Okay. And then I also do Sensual Care Corner, which is at events, parties, whatever, um, setting up a little, a literal corner where um, people can come and unwind. They can have guided meditation. They can um, have like, you know, snacks and drinks, just if they need to hydrate or whatever, need a break. Um, they can do aromatherapy, conflict re- resolution and mediation. Um, they can get referrals if they need help with um, like a referral to a um a therapist or some type of uh, professional who's going to be uh, competent. So um, the referrals can be to therapists that are of color, that are um, queer competent, that are um, competent with different relationship styles, such as polyamory, and that are also um, kink aware or kink competent professionals. All right. So I so that's what I do with the Sensual Care Corner. And um, the Sensual Experience is also a wellness coaching guided meditation experience that is specifically targeted to non-men of color. So that's what I do. So I got my day job as a direct support professional. Um, and I got, um, and then I have Sensual, which is my baby. So yeah, <laughs> um, one of my babies, because y'all know BRQ is my baby, but yeah, Sensual too. All right, so that's what I do for work. Um, all right, the next question. Do you like to travel? If so, what trips have you taken? So your girl loves to travel. I love to travel. Um, Wanderlust is real. Uh, oh, and I do want to say um, before I move forward. So there are some questions I got that um, some stuff was asked about my wife. And so for some stuff, like I may mention her, but in general, I'm not going to be disclosing. There are certain things I feel like it should be up to her to disclose. Um, I'll have her back on the show at some point, but. I'm not going to be putting her business out there. I can put my business out there, (laughs) but certain things I'm not going to be putting her business out there. So um, I've, you know, gone through the questions and kind of determined what I will and will not answer that pertains to her specifically. But I'll answer everything that pertains, you know, as it pertains to me. All right. Moving forward. So Wonderlust. The Wonderlust is real. Um, So some trips that I've taken. um, I won't go over every single trip, but some trips that stand out to me. I have my best friend and I did a East Coast road trip. So from Florida to like New York, Connecticut, that was lit. Um, We were talking about maybe doing a West Coast version of that because it was really dope. I enjoyed doing that road trip with her. Um, I've also been to Puerto Rico. I love Puerto Rico. I would love to go back. Um, Shout out PR. Like, I I think it's important that people go to Puerto Rico. They need the money. They're working to rebuild. Um, And so tourism is how Puerto Rico makes a lot of, you know, that's a big crux of their economy. So I think it's definitely 
you know, a good trip. Um, the people are beautiful. People are lovely. Food is amazing. Um, I it's high on my list of places that I want to go back to um, as soon as possible. Absolutely love Puerto Rico. Um, I've also been to Iceland. Um, love Iceland. Iceland was my what I consider to be my big surprise. Um, I never thought of going to Iceland, never planned to go to Iceland. Um, won a trip to go to Iceland, won a contest that I entered or whatever that my wife encouraged me to enter. Shout out. Good looking out, babe. <laughs> um, but I, you know, sent in my essay and everything, filled out the stuff and I was chosen to go, um, which still blows my mind, even though that was a couple years ago that I went. But um, Iceland was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, the people were very friendly. It was the first time that I had been around that many white people and not felt um, like I had to deal with microaggressions and like um, racism. <laughs> so it was very eye opening because it was just very different. Um, I was just like, you know, treated like a regular ass person, which was great. Um, yeah, would love to go back to Iceland. I went in the wintertime. We did see the northern lights. Um, it was lit. I want to go back um, in the summertime just to experience it in the summer. But um, it was like kind of a beautiful surprise type of thing. I never anticipated going there. Loved it. It looked like a fucking postcard. Shit was amazing. It was lit. <laughs> um, and I went with a group of black women, which was even better. And I would love to go back with more black folks. And then um, last but absolutely not least, the trip that I want to mention is my trip to Mexico uh, for my wedding. So um as many of you know, I got married last year. Anniversary coming up. A turn up. But um, I got married last year and um, we had a destination wedding in Mexico. And um, it was beautiful. We had our wedding in Cabo San Lucas and um, had 30, you know, a crew of 30 people celebrating with us. And um, all inclusive resort lit. We went on an excursion. We almost died <laughs> on these ATVs. But um you know, that's an experience I got to share with my wife and my loved ones. It was beautiful. I want to go back to Mexico. Um, it was just awesome. It was awesome to have that many, you know, have a group of 30 black people in Mexico turn up. Um, yeah, I'm here for it, you know, so I, that was fun. So those are some trips I've been on. I've been on other trips. I love to travel, always trying to figure out the next place to go. Um, my wife created a group because once we did our wedding trip everybody was like oh we should do this again and my wife created a group called the wonderlust collective and we take trips and that's her baby so and i'm just like hey babe i'm just here to support you and go on the trip <laughs> so um yeah so travel is very um important to me all right next question uh what is your favorite food i'm a foodie you know um fat girl gang gang um I, I do I do enjoy food and I I'm very nerdy about it too but if I just had to choose one food I'm gonna choose macaroni and cheese hands down always but I also have like things that I consider to be comfort foods that I really love macaroni and cheese is on that list macaroni and cheese favorite food turn up but um I definitely like um I love some Indian food. I love, I love like all kinds of Asian food. So Indian food, Thai food, um, Japanese food. I'm here for all of it. I love Mexican food and it's kind of ridiculous. Like I eat Mexican food regularly and, um, it's definitely comfort food to me. 
Um, so yeah, I'll have to say macaroni and cheese, my favorite food, but then I also have like types of food, genres <laughs> of food that I rather enjoy. Um, my food likes are kind of like all over the place. I like, I, I really like trying different things when it comes to food. All right. Next question. Next question is who is my celebrity crush? Um, Okay. I mean, bruh, I, there's, I don't know. There, there's a list. So, because I, I like different celebrities for different reasons. I can't say I have one celebrity who is my ultimate celebrity crush, but I'll just give you a short list. Okay. So, um, celebrity crushes would have to be Trevante Rhodes. Look at him. (laughs) Like, I don't think I have the same thing else. Look at him. Okay. Um, I definitely, I love me some Angela Bassett. She is beautiful. She is like, just, I don't know. Like if she wanted a tenderoni, okay, your girl will come through. All right. I would absolutely be fine to be a tenderoni for Angela Bassett. Um, I just think she's beautiful. I also think, um, Danielle Brooks, gorgeous. First of all, um, melanin popping beautiful smile I love her voice and um she's stat like pancakes come on now like love so um Daniel Brooks same thing with um Daisha Polanco I don't know if I'm saying her first name right is it Dasha Daisha Polanco also from Orange is the New Black fine as hell stat like pancakes and like her personality um yeah so fine um who else I it's like of course now that I'm thinking about it, I'm just like it's hard for me to remember every damn body because I stay crushing on somebody um who else do I have as a celebrity you know what y'all know who my current like my newest celebrity crush is it's fucking Megan the Stallion that's my that's my latest crush y'all I love cocky black women I love cocky women of color I just love it I love it I love cocky women artists who just like because it's like the shit that, you know, guys have always been able to say that it's like supposedly not ladylike. I love it. I love ratchet, like just like ratchet, cocky, badass. And so to me, Megan Stallion is that she's bad. I mean, look at her. OK, literally stallion like stacked. But I love her voice. She has kind of a deep voice. I love it. Um, she sounds straight up Texas, like so Houston. So I love the accent and stuff like that. Southern girl. She just has like Southern girl swag. Um, and she got bars like so she's my current like celebrity crush who I'm just who's like newer, you know, um, to me. Not super new. I think I started listening to her. Well, I, I just started listening to her maybe like toward the end of last year. Um, and then this year I started listening to her more. But yeah, so that's my. Yeah, y'all, I'm just saying the stallion, the stallion can get it. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. That's a, that's a, a good enough list right there. <laughs> All right. So this next question. So this is about to go. Well, I guess it's a transition because I said that, you know, the stallion could get it <laughs> because the next question is, have you ever participated in a multi-partner sexual experience? Yes, I have. Um, you know, your girl used to be out here. All right. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's the easiest way for me to put it. 
Um, your girl used to be out here. I have experienced some things, you know, stop bopping a little bit. You know, I have, I have what I call my harlot days. Um, I did not by my standards or like by, from my understanding, I didn't start having sex really early. Like when I was in school, you know, I had classmates and stuff that were already having sex and I wasn't. I didn't really like I had um, like my first sexual experience was I was almost done with high school. So, I, well, I was like a junior. I was a junior. Um, so, yeah, that's almost done with high school. But I didn't really like get like for real for it. That was just kind of like one time I didn't get for real for real sexually active until um, college until I was done with high school. So I got to college and then your girl was out here. Like I was just trying shit. Like the way I describe it to my wife, I'd be like, you know, sometimes opportunities will present themselves and I would just, you know, not reject the opportunity. <laughs> um, so that's probably a terrible way to put it. But yeah, I was very exploratory. I was open. I was just like, Hey, you know, um, at, and I was, poly um but I didn't know that term yet I didn't learn the term poly until a little later but yeah so I have had multi-partner experiences um and we just gonna leave that at that yes that's the answer all right uh my next question is what's your kinky coming out story so I guess this can you know we're starting to get to the grown folks stuff <laughs> so um for those who don't know I am a dominant leather woman Okay, so um, I have been involved in the kink BDSM leather community for, mm, I've been actively in the community for about six years, but my first experience kind of delving into some like freaky, kinky, freaky, kinky, well, I'm trying to say kinky, freaky, deaky <laughs> stuff was um, when I was probably about 19. Now, some of this stuff is in hindsight, y'all. Like I'm looking back at it like, dang, you know, so it wasn't until later in my twenties that I looked back at this relationship I had when I was like 18, 19. I looked at some experiences I had with some folks and I'm like, Hey, Hmm, that was a little kinky. You know, y'all was doing some things. So when I was about 20 or 21, probably 21, when I was about 21, I ended up like, um, I had a friend who was like into kink and stuff and was like, oh, you should. Um, they told me to check out FetLife, this website, FetLife. They're like, oh, it's like kinky Facebook. And I was like, hmm. So this is during my time where I'm like, you know, exploratory, you know, I'm open. I'm open minded. So I'm like, OK, cool. I'll, you know, get on there. So I, I got on the site. And so once I joined, I started researching all the little kinks and stuff that they had listed on there. And so once I looked, I was like, wait a minute, bruh, I've done some of this stuff. So. When I was younger, I mean, I remember folks like when I was in high school talking about liking to be choked and liking their hair pulled and liking to be spanked and stuff. Um, I remember girls in my class talking about that, but I also was not sexually active at the time. So I was just kind of like, hmm, OK, whatever. You know, it would just be me overhearing their conversations, talking about sex and stuff. I couldn't contribute anything to the conversation because I wasn't doing anything at the time. Um, but. Once I learned about, you know, this whole new world was opened up to me with all this different terminology, I looked back on some relationships I had at like 18, 19. And I was like, hmm, we were, I started like matching up the terms to what I had been doing. So I was like, hmm, I think this was like 
we were doing some power exchange or this was some impact player, you know, whatever. I started like, you know, reading about the stuff and then matching it to matching it to my experiences. Okay. So that was really how I figured out that I was kind of into some, some different things. And then I also, it also helped me realize what I was not into (laughs) some stuff. I'm like, Nope, not about that life, but you know, whatever works for you. Um, so yeah, I just learned more. And then, um, so how I got from there, you know, just kind of learning about all these different things, all these different possibilities to where I am now as a dominant leather woman, got my own leather house, very like active in the kink BDSM leather community, a member of a, um, kink leather BDSM service organization is that I went to this event, um, in Atlanta, it was called wicked wonderland. And it's like at a dungeon. I had never been to a dungeon. (laughs) It was at a dungeon and they had like different stations where you could learn about different things. So they had like people and they had vendors and stuff. So they had people that had like candles that you could use for wax play and paddles and shit. You could use for spanking and like floggers and, um, all kind of stuff. And I was like, whoa, you know, it was like a whole new world to me. I was like, wait, I ain't never seen some of this stuff. So I was stopping by the little booths and then people would tell you about it and like, you know, how you could do it. They were doing demos and all that kind of stuff. So, um, while I was at this event, they were saying, Hey, we're going to have like a, uh, kind of like an after party or like a, a play party afterwards. And you'll be able to get to see people like in action, like people using this stuff and whatever. And you kind of see how it works out. I was like, okay, cool. So I went back and um, while I was at this event, I saw this woman walking around and she just looked boss. She looked like a boss bitch. Okay. I'm like, damn. So I noticed her. And then I saw this, um, this guy who was like carrying her stuff. And then he was like going and making sure everything was like squared away for her. And I was like, Hmm. So I'm watching this and I'm like, Oh, I think that like that it looked appealing to me. It was intriguing. I'm like, wait, so he taking care of this, he carrying this like, Oh, your girl is intrigued. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, what's going on? (laughs) So she ended up approaching me. Um, she gave me her card and her card showed that she was a part of this group in Atlanta for black female dominance. And I was like, Hmm, you know, so some time passed, I was in grad school. Well, I I ended up going to grad school and all that kind of stuff. So I was just like, "Mm," you know, I wasn't super like, I didn't follow up basically. And then some months passed and then I ended up going to, um, to one of the meetings that cause the group had like different meetings or whatever. I went and I saw what they were talking about and I just noticed, I'm like, damn, like some of this stuff actually sounds kind of cool. Like if it's my personality, I do have a dominant personality. Um, and it really would like, I'm interested in this or whatever. So, um, I was like, okay, cool. So once I, started going to the group. I started learning more. Um, I asked the woman who I originally saw, I was like, Hey, you know, do you mentor? Because I like how she moved through space. Like I like that. She, she wasn't like, um, wild or anything, but she just, her presence. I love her presence and like how her and her submissive, I ended up finding out later that was her submissive, how they interacted with each other. And I was like, Hey, I dig this. Like, I'm curious about it. So do you mentor? And so she was like, yeah, Um, I do like, you know, formal mentorship, blah, blah, blah. So I entered into mentorship, mentorship with her. She, you know, taught me a lot and helped give me this framework to like, look at how to be in the lifestyle and how to like, you know, do this in a way that makes sense, that is structured, that is ethical, all that kind of stuff. And, um, it really helped to kind of like 
it strengthened, like the things that I was already strong in, it just reinforced it. And then the things that I needed to be stronger in, it helped reinforce those things too. Um, and so now to this day, she's still my mentor. Um, I ended up, you know, going on that journey, being mentored. I started mentoring other people. Um, my mentor had a house, um, a leather house or whatever. And um, I joined, I was a member for four years. And then I, this year launched my own house. So um, now, so I say all that to say now, where I am now in like my kinky leather path is that I have my own house called House of Noir. Um, it is a black, queer, uh, radical, <laughs> hey, black, radical, queer, leather house. And uh, we do community service. So we do help to give back to the community. And we also help, uh, we do mentor. So I mentor other folks and also um, help to be visible, you know, really work to be visible so that other black folks and other black queer people can see that like this ain't just some, um, you know, 50 shades of gray type shit, some white folks shit that like, hey, no, black people can be kinky too. Black people can be about this life too. We can do power exchange. We can do BDSM. We can do whatever the fuck we want to do. And this is how that can manifest. And um, it's been awesome to be able to um, grow and learn and um, help other people too. So, um, so yeah, so I'm a dominant leather woman. I have two S types, um, both women, both black queer women. Um, they they both identify as poly and bisexual. Um, and so far we are the house of noir, it's just us three. And then I have like what I'll consider to be my leather family and like, you know, which is the original house I was a part of my mentor. Um, my mentor has two S types and all that. So we're kind of like, that would be like our extended family, but then I have my house, which is me and my two girls. And, um, yeah, so it's been interesting. I mean, my, those who are close to me, uh, know all of this already. So for instance, like, of course my wife has, you know, seen the whole journey. Um, uh, my mom, my sisters, like people who are close to me for the most part, know. now it's different degrees. It's levels to this. <laughs> so I, I haven't just like put all my business out there to every single person. Um, the, I'm a part of a service organization called Onyx Pearls. Onyx Pearls Southeast is the chapter I'm a part of, uh, which is based in Atlanta. Um, and they, um, but we have members all over the chapter is just based in Atlanta, but we're a service organization. Um, we've given back to so many different nonprofits and charities. Um, we're a 501 C three. So it's been really awesome. I've been a part of that organization for, um, three years. Um, and for, yeah, for three going on four years actually. And, um, yeah, I served on the board. I used to be the health and wellness chair for the board for two years. And so this year, you know, I, I stepped down or whatever from the board. So, um, yeah, but so, I mean, it's like when people think of kink and stuff, they just think of, you know, the freaky deaky stuff and that's cool. But, um, for me, being in the leather community has really a big way that it's impacted me is that I've done a lot of service. Um, I've been able to help a lot of different entities through my service and um, getting, I've gotten to know a lot of cool people. So that's been really dope. I, I get to teach and train. I get to, um, one of the things I do with um, Sensual, like some of the classes that I teach are geared toward um, kinky people and organizations and teaching them like how to incorporate wellness into what they do. So that they can look at it from a holistic perspective instead of just like just the physical. Um, so that's been really cool to do. I've taught at conferences, like leather leadership conference. Um, I've taught at 
Los Angeles Doms and Subs. So your girl out here. <laughs> but, you know, I, I believe strongly in teaching and training. I believe in education and service giving back to the community. We've been able to donate to a lot of um, entities. So, yeah. So that's my kind of kinky coming out story, how I got into it and where I am now. Um, yeah, where I am now is head of household for a new leather house. I'm a dominant. I'm a leather woman. I have two um, S types and we're, you know, out here uh, just trying to be a service. I have two mentees as well, um, two folks that I'm mentoring who are also dominant. Um, you know, they're growing and learning and coming up in their own right. They're both badass. So it's just dope to me um, to see this lineage and to see like all these black folks who like we're claiming our space in this community and saying like, hey, you know, this is not ju it's not just white folks who are about this life. It's not, and that it it ain't like some 50 shades of gray shit. Like that's really not real life. That's not how we operate. Like we really got real life shit going on. And so it's just real cool. Um, so, you know, just like with anything else, it has its ups and downs. It has its issues, but overall it's been a very fulfilling journey to me. Um, I never would have thought, I never would have thought <laughs> that this is where I would be and that I, that it would resonate with me so much and that I would be so active and visible in the community and stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's just how it turned out. I mean, I pledged um, Onyx Pearls because it's a, you know, leather king BDSM sorority service, like a service sorority. So I pledged. And I mean, when I crossed, my mom came to see me cross. Um, You know, my like I, I've come out to, you know, family members and stuff like that. And I haven't had any issues. I mean, I really feel like at this point, I just can't surprise my people anymore. They're like, OK, this bitch queer. She polished kinks. She just every damn thing. So I think at this point, you know, nothing can surprise them. But I really feel like, you know, if my mom knows and like, you know, my it's whatever, like who going to check me? Um, so, yeah. So that's where I'm at with that. But that's my long winded kinky story. <laughs> All right. Next question. What advice would you give to someone who is thinking about coming out now? Um. I think there are different ways that you can come out and like for different reasons. So for instance, like I just said, you know, I've come out as um, queer lesbian, you know, I've come out as poly, I've come out as kinky. Um, but I do feel like there's levels. Um, there's levels to this shit. And for one, I would say if someone's thinking about coming out first for them to ask themselves, why, why do they want to come out? And once they know that, cool. Um, who do you want to come out to? I think there's a misconception that like coming out means you have to shout from the rooftops or come out very publicly to every single person. Um, you can be out you what I call selectively out. That's me. So some people who listen, they're going to be like, ain't none of this shit new to me. I already knew all this stuff about you uh, because I'm already out to them. So like, for instance, my mom, my mom could listen to this episode and not be shocked by anything, <laughs> you know, because I'm out to her across the spectrum. She knows who I am fully. So she knows that I'm poly and I'm kinky and I'm queer and, you know, I'm a dominant and I have some like she knows all that stuff. So, um, hell, she was like I sh when I was launching my house and I show her the crest like she was like hype. <laughs> uh, she was like, oh, that's so hot, you know. So, yeah, my mom, I love my mama. But anyway, so she already knows I'm already out to her. Same with like my sister, one of my sisters, um, and I, I'm pretty sure my, well, one of my sisters, like she's under 18. So no, but, um, my adult sisters, um, 
they already know that like I I be on some other shit and um you know they don't judge or anything like that but I've I'm selectively out I'm not I don't come out to every single person I'm not like out um you know hell at my job I'm not out as queer and that's because I feel like it's just none of their business I also work very solo I just work with my clients one-on-one so I don't have traditional a traditional office or anything so it's like I'm not even around people like that to be coming out to them. Like, it's just irrelevant to my interaction with them. So I could see if I had a desk and I had a picture of my wife on my desk or something, but that's just not the case. Um, so I say that to say that, which, like, what does it mean to you to come out? That's what I, like, I would want for you to ask yourself, what does it mean to you to come out? Because coming out could just mean you telling one person. Coming out could be you accepting it in yourself and just living your truth. You could be like, you know what? I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna actually announce anything I'm just gonna live and I know people who've done that too where it's like they didn't announce anything they didn't say hey I'm gay hey I'm this hey I'm that they just showed up with their same-sex partner or they didn't say hey I'm poly they just showed up with two partners or whatever so it's looking at you know the best the best advice I can give is for you to do what is best for you take into consideration your safety um I don't I personally don't think it's worth um, jeopardizing your safety to come out. So I would say like do it in ways that whatever ways are safest for you. Like I wouldn't want anybody to like lose where they live or lose their job or something like that for coming out. Um, So, you know, come out to those trusted people that you can um, and just be, you know, be yourself and know too that it's a process and that it doesn't have to happen overnight and that is continuous. So you may be coming out for the rest of your life. Or you can decide not to. You could be like, I'm just not, I'm just going to live. I'm not going to actually come out. But um, if you're thinking about coming out, just, you know, figure out what that actually looks like to you. Because I think that we can have a very um, kind of like narrow view of what it actually means to come out. Um, But only you can define it for yourself. For you, coming out might be only telling your best friend. Coming out might be, you know, just doing a Facebook post and then that's it, you know. So you got to decide what that looks like and what that means for you. Um, So that's the advice I would give is define it for yourself. If you think about coming out, think about what that actually means. Like for you individually, what does it mean to come out? And then you just go on with that. And knowing that over time that can adjust and it can grow. I've had to come out several times. Um, Well, I won't say I've had to come out. I've come out several times and it's different every single time. Um, But I'm very selective and I, I just at this point... I'm strategically trying to decompartmentalize my life. So I, you know, will allow myself to kind of like come out in certain situations or like be open like this, like I am on the show. But um, I'm not just like, I'm not very um, flamboyant or anything. I don't broadcast. Um, I'm honest about it, if you ask, but I also don't necessarily feel like I have to broadcast. I'm just living my black ass life. All right. So, and then my last question is, What are your long-term goals for BRQ? So what I really want to do with Black Radical Queer is, of course, I want it to keep growing. Um, Ideally, in a dream world, if I could have um, it be more set up like a radio show where I actually there's actually a physical location like, um, you know, Main Hustle Media has like Main Hustle Studios or something. And I have a dedicated setup. I can have guests come in. I would love to have it be... Um, kind of similar to, um, even though I hate to use this as an example, but 
is the first one that's coming to mind for me right now. Kind of how, um, you know what? I ain't going to even use that one as an example. I was about to say the breakfast club, fuck them. I was, um, what I want to say, like, um, similar to like Jesus and Mero. So I, um, Jesus and Mero are very inspirational to me because they just like some hood niggas, you know, like who, you know, came up. And so they had, you know, Bodega Boys podcast. And so I like the format of how they had the show on Vice. Um, something like that would be dope as fuck. Um, or something set up. I was going to say the breakfast club because how, you know, it's in the studio, you can see the video, but it's like, they're in the studio. Something like that would be dope too. So to have like a, uh, you know, nationally recognized show, internationally recognized platform show, whatever, um, is a long-term goal. And I really would like to go on tour. I would like to do live recordings of the show. So go to different cities and, um, you know, whether it's at a university or it's wherever, you know, some group or whatever hosts me, I come and we have a live conversation. Um, we do a live episode and I just do that from place to place. I would love to do that. That's a dream of mine is to be able to do a BRQ tour um, and then like, you know, connect with other, um, you know, black radical folks in these various cities. And we just, you know, hang out together, have a conversation, have a live audience we all get to talk shit together and, you know, do that as a show. So that would be my long term goals um, would be to be able to expand the platform. Um, I really would love to see Main Hustle have a, a concrete location, like a, a physical location. And we have a dedicated studio and then I could just, you know, have folks come to the studio and you see that set up similar to what they have on the Breakfast Club or any like radio station or whatever. Um, if it could be a radio show you know, cool. But, you know, I talk a lot of shit and I curse and stuff. So I, I doubt they will put my black ass on the radio. Um, but, you know, just something that has that kind of reach. Um, so, yeah, I would say look at like The Read. Look at, uh, you know, Jesus and Miro, Bodega Boys. Um, look at um, Horrible Decisions. Look at those entities. And that's along the lines of what I what I'm thinking. You know, um, I really want to expand um, expand the reach. And I want to be able to tell more people's stories. So I feel like if I'm able to go like from city to city, you know, I can have like some people from that city come through and we do the live recording and be like, Hey, you know, this is, these are these folks story. They can share it live. Like we could talk about it right then and there, which to me, the idea of that is really, really dope. Um, let's see. Other than that, I really would love to see the BRQ merch expand the merchandise. Um, I love to see folks rocking the shirts, the hoodie, you know, so if I can expand that and offer more stuff um, with the branding on it, I think that would be really dope. Um, yeah. So, you know, I look to, like I mentioned, I look to those um, entities like the read, you know, they have merchandise, they have the podcast, you know, kind of thing. They have sponsors. Your girl needs some sponsors. <laughs> so that's definitely a um, goal of mine. And, um, you know, like the podcast, Horrible Decisions, they go on tour. So they have live recordings. I love it. Um, you know, two women of color who are doing that. And then um, these Zemiro, Bodega Boys, I like how they really kind of like started from the bottom. Now we here. So it's like looking at these different folks um, really is inspiring to me. And so they um, kind of represent some of the some examples of like what I look for for BRQ long term. Um, you know, expanding our reach and really, yeah. So main hustle media, having a physical location so that, you know, we can have like dedicated space to record. Um, so being able to expand to that level and 
going on tour, uh, getting out to more people. Yeah, so that's that's my my long term goals for Black Radical Queer Podcast. Um, all right, so that's it, y'all. Um, I've been talking for a minute, so well, a few minutes. So um, thank you for you know your questions. I really appreciate them. If you have any other questions, just let me know. I'll you know get to them on another episode. But that was all the ones that I have for today. I appreciate y'all, and um, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, I can't think of anything else that I need to add. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm in the, what's that? One, two, three, five. I don't even know. Quintuple digits now with my downloads since I have over 10,000. It's so crazy to me. Um, I just can't believe it. So I really appreciate y'all for listening. And um, yeah, let me know what you want to hear more of. Let me know what you want to see from Black Radical Queer in the future. Um, I'm trying to come to y'all. Like, I really would love to come to these different places where y'all are. And, you know, we get to do this shit in person and record it live. But, um, yeah, what types of things do would you have in mind for the future of Black Radical Queer podcast? Um, yeah, that's that's it. So thank you so much for listening. You know, love y'all. It's been real, but I'm real tired of talking. So I'm out. Bye, y'all. Black Radical Queer Podcast is all about intersectionality and Black queer folks sharing our stories on our own terms. We navigate an array of identities and BRQ is an outlet where we can see the spectrum of those identities reflected, explored, and celebrated. Black Radical Queer is a main hustle media podcast hosted by Javia Nicole, produced and edited by Charmaine Johnson. Music is by Publicity. You can find us on social media by looking up Black Rat Queer. It's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. We are on um, Facebook as well as Instagram and Twitter. Same handle regardless at Black Rat Queer. B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. We also have a Facebook discussion group that's just called BRQ Discussion Group. And you can also listen wherever you get your podcast. So we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, Google Play, you know, all those types of things. And we have, you know, our home base that's on Lipson, so you can listen on there as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Make sure you come on back around next week to see uh, what we have for you. And all right, y'all, I'm out. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.